We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. Robin. A two-run home run. The Brewers take the lead. Morgan, a smash up the middle. Base hit the center. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Well, Adam, uh, we're back in our respective homes after a wonderful trip out to the Midwest, Chicago, and then Milwaukee. Uh, Settling into our normal viewing routines for Milwaukee Brewers baseball. And it turns out the baseball is still fun. Before we get into the series against the Cardinals and some news and notes, how are you doing? How are you adjusting back to regular life and how the Brewers fit into that routine for you? I'm doing well. I've been uh, been fighting some jet lag, so the Brewers have maybe fit into that routine a little bit more than they will in the week ahead when they go out west, because that would be a way to ruin my body clock for good, would be to lock it on the Brewers this week live. Um, but no, I'm doing well. Getting settled back in. Nice to see the Brewers still mostly winning. I mean, they did drop one without us there, which is unfortunate. But um, no, things are things are looking very, very good for the National League leading Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, the Milwaukee Brewers currently see themselves with a seven and two record atop the National League, as you mentioned, atop uh the National League Central, the only team with a better winning percentage than the Brewers right now is the Tampa Bay Rays, who are undefeated and off to an incredible start. They 
were staked to three series against three teams that aren't real baseball teams necessarily. I think they played the Nationals, the Tigers, and uh, the A's. But you know what they did? They took care of business, just like the Brewers have been doing against uh, better competition thus far. Before we get into the series against the Cardinals, some of the highs and, and some of the lows, we have some news and notes that have either popped up over the last few days or that we missed on our last recording. Uh, a mix of good news and bad news. Um, the first bit of news is Aaron Ashby will be out for most of the season after shoulder surgery. Um, they have since moved him to the 60-day IL. Ashby wasn't able to throw at all in spring training after some shoulder inflammation. Uh, he was given platelet-rich plasma injections with the hope of returning in May. And obviously that is not going to happen anymore. Ashby was a guy who flashed really impressive stuff and ability last year, but didn't really put it all together in both a kind of a hybrid role as a starter and a reliever. Um, the Brewers have obviously been playing without him and Adrian Hauser to start the season, which made some of their decisions about who will make the bullpen um, when a lot of guys don't have options easier. But uh, I, I'd say it, it seems pretty fair that the Brewers are not going to see Aaron Ashby this season. I, it would, it would be strange to see a situation where he comes back from something so significant, like in the midst of a playoff run or something like that. So uh, the Brewers have been doing all this without Ashby, but still something that you don't like to see as we talked about all offseason. Starting pitching and relieving pitching depth is something that the Brewers look to address this offseason. And one of the names that they expect to be in the mix will not be at all, it seems. Yeah, I I don't know how much of a big deal this is for this season. I think we certainly would have liked Aaron Ashby to be in the mix and to be a factor here. There's no doubting his ability and where he factors into the Brewers' plans. It is a little bit more concerning in the longer term, this being a guy that they have already extended. This being a guy that I feel like they needed to work it out this season in terms of his role. When you extend him like that, you're then looking at him being a starter. And that is something that between injuries and just some ups and downs in his performance, he never really got to work out last year um yeah not ideal not ideal it seems like this has been the part that things were heading down the brewers on ashby likely were doing all they could to prolong this um but yeah what what was inflammation in the shoulder became something that required surgery surgery is a success from everything we've heard but we're going to be very, very late in the season. And as I think you rightly note, when you get very, very late in the season, and I think we're hoping, particularly after this strong start, that the Brewers will have a lot to play for at that point in the year. It gets harder to imagine Ashby coming back. I mean, I guess to bring in some more news to this, the flip side of things is Adrian Hauser is getting to work with the Nashville Sounds, and it may be a case that we see him sooner rather than later back up with the Brewers. And he's going to fill that Ashby role, I guess. Um, Six starter if they want to go there at any point, but I think what they're going to be doing with him in Nashville is multiple inning reliever, um, which was probably also where we could have seen Ashby at least for part of this year. So it's not like the Brewers are completely lacking. They have a very capable pitcher in Hauser who will come in and kind of reinforce what has been an excellent start to the season from the majority of their pitching core so far, particularly for the bullpen. But this is a, this is a loss all the same, even if it is one that may be more keenly felt 
over the longer term and in trying to work out, okay, what is the shape of the Brewers pitching staff beyond this season, beyond the season, beyond that? Um, because there are certainly questions there centered around Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, but Aaron Ashby was supposed to be one of those players that's like, okay, well, we know we've got the security of Aaron Ashby. Just how secure that security is, is very much up in the air. Yeah, that's a good point you make about Hauser eventually being ready and being able to provide uh, multiple innings. And we've seen some of the existing bullpen arms already do that this season. Gus Farland, Javi Garrett, Bryce Wilson, each providing uh, more than one inning in an appearance uh, so far this season. And and so it's it seems like uh, some guys have seized this opportunity, and we'll see if that continues. And then obviously Hauser being uh, ready to go at some point soon. Um, the Brewers did address uh, left-handed bullpen depth by making a, a small trade uh, with uh, Ashby uh, headed to the 60-day IL. They have traded uh, for Bennett Sousa, uh, who was a Cincinnati Red uh, when the trade was made, sent cash and international bonus money to the Reds for Sousa. Uh, Sousa pitched for the White Sox last year, uh, 8-4-1 ERA and a whip of 1.72 in 25 appearances with them. Uh, struck out 12 and 20 in a third innings here, according to Todd Rosiak of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, Matt Arnold says, really interesting guy with some good stuff. He's actually close with Dreslecki, I believe. We believe he has some interesting ingredients that we can work with. He has a long history of good performance in the minor leagues, and he struck out a lot of guys out there. So uh, a depth pickup for Nashville at, at this moment, um, and a guy that, uh, you know, is is here, is is, is going to be within the organization and, and someone that can uh, be a break glass in case of emergency left-handed bullpen arm. And, uh, yeah, kind of just uh, small a small sprinkling of trade news on a Sunday morning before a game against the Cardinals. I I didn't know about the, the Strzelecki connection of it. Is that from... I know Strez went to college in Florida. That's who says from Sousa Florida. Went to, Sousa went to UVA, so um, okay. I'm not sure where that connection came in, but where you know, the, the, base, the, baseball, the baseball circles are, are small, so guys get to know each other. Interesting, interesting. Um, I have very few thoughts on this. Um, ERA was not good, but very, very small sample size. I guess we'll see what he does in Nashville, which largely seems to be the Brewers' approach here. Let's get to work. Let's see what they can make out of the stuff. Let's see how he performs in Nashville. And yeah, we may see him at some point. Um, Certainly another option there if needed. I mean, we're still at the very, very early stages, so I'm not going to get ahead of this one way or another. But the conversation I feel like we were having just before we made our respective trips was... The bullpen could either be really great or really terrible this year. At least to start, it's been really, really great. Um, whether that holds is the question. But there is always going to be this kind of risk-reward element to how this bullpen was constructed. We've talked for quite a while about how Matt Arnold, what does he like? He likes gas. He likes guys who throw nothing but heat. Um, Quite a few pitchers have come in that are kind of unheralded maybe he's trying to find some kind of some overlooked gems and they've got 
some really nice pitches in their arsenal. They've got good stuff. And it all comes down to, well, what is the effect of the pitching lab here? What can the Brewers kind of bring to the surface in these individual games? Early signs are positive. I mean, I think Gus Farland being maybe one of the more notable examples of that. But early signs are positive. It's a long way to go, though, before we can say with confidence that's holding up. So we'll see. It's still very possible that we see quite a lot of cycling true guys in the bullpen this season. I mean, that's pretty common for over the course of a season anyway. But there's still potential with this Brewers bullpen in particular that maybe some of what's working at the start of the year doesn't as the year goes on. And that may lead to some decisions and plenty of turnover if required. Moving on to one more bit of news before we recap this Cardinal series. Um, Gunnar Henderson of the Baltimore Orioles and Corbin Carroll of the Arizona Diamondbacks have uh, both graduated from their prospect status, according to both Baseball America and The Athletic. Who was the number three prospect going into the season that was behind Carroll and Henderson? That was Jackson Chorio, Adam. And we talked about every prospect list over under the sun this offseason, just trying to squeeze every bit of juice uh, out of uh, that orange uh, this year because, you know, Compton is king and talking about prospects is fun. And now Jackson Chorio, by all accounts, pretty much the consensus number one prospect in baseball, started, started his season um, at Biloxi uh, this weekend. Um, we'll be continuing to monitor how he progresses through the system, obviously with uh, a nice selection of outfield prospects in the majors right now in South York and Nashville. There's no pressure on him to develop faster than uh, he needs to, but really exciting to have the guy that everyone wishes was in their system. And that's what Chorio is. Um, I heard uh, uh, everyone take a drink. Um, Keith Law was on uh, his podcast uh, this week talking about uh, prospects lists and how they start the season and continued to to rave about having seen him in Arizona and a name he invoked in just kind of like the feeling that you get when you watch a player with a this much talent and B this much feel for baseball uh, was Ronald Acuna Jr. So like when you hear things like that, it's it makes you dream on things. And uh, Chorio is is the top prospect in baseball. Yeah, he's got three games under his belt in Biloxi so far this season. That's the time of recording. Um, three hits, two RBI, one run in thirteen at bats. Started very, very nicely in the opening game. And I guess while we're here to just briefly some of the other prospects, um, Sal Freelich made quite the impression, I think, in his opening series with the Nashville Sounds. Um, has cooled off a little bit since then, it seems like, but still showing that he is the kind of the steady bat, the hit machine that the Brewers will be very excited to add to what is a, an increasingly strong outfield. Um and yeah, it seems like lots of positive signs for the the highly touted Brewers prospects around the minor leagues to start the season. Abner Uribe, um, someone else who I feel like we may end up seeing before this season is out, um, came in and threw gas and had a very clean outing for a save. Uh, there's a couple of others that I'm now forgetting, but it seems like. Just what we'd like to see, just the kind of start to the season around the minors. A lot of the Brewers' key prospects are doing that. And that's even better news when 
obviously the prospect ranks are slightly depleted by the fact that some of the guys we've been talking about last year are no longer prospects. They are very much core pieces of the major league team's success. Shall we talk about uh, the series against the St. Louis Cardinals, Adam? Let's do it. All right. Friday night in Milwaukee with the Brewers wearing those beautiful City Connect jerseys. Brandon Woodruff takes them out against Jack Flaherty. And early in this game, Brandon Woodruff did indeed have his good stuff. At the end of the day, he went five and a third innings, four hits, no runs, two walks, four strikeouts. So not his complete sharpest, but looked great early on. The Brewers would get the scoring started in the bottom of the third inning. Christian Yelich leads off the inning by drawing a walk. Jesse Winker singles Yelich to second base. Fielder choice, Promelia Damas puts Winker uh, out and Yelich at third. Rowdy Telez comes through with a sack fly to make it one nothing. Brewers, after a William Contreras single to right, Garrett Mitchell singles to left to make it 2 nothing. Brewers. Uh, a nice mix here of the veterans and a rookie uh, working together to get some runs scored in that inning. Uh, that would take us uh, to the top of the sixth inning. Brandon Woodruff uh, on the mound. Uh, Craig Council noticing a dip in velocity. You're coming into facing the middle of the Cardinals lineup uh, for the, the third time. So Council makes a move that I think surprised a lot of people, and he goes to Yoel Piamps uh, to try and get out of the inning. Uh, a pass ball by Contreras sends runner to second base. Piamps responds by striking out uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, Nolan Arenado would then reach on an infield single that was probably about to roll foul before Piants picked it up. Uh, he would then uh, walk Wilson Contreras. Bases loaded, jam that Joel Piants gets in and then gets Tyler O'Neill to ground out to second base. Um, this is uh, something that I think uh, we've seen a lot of with Craig early in this season is he's not afraid to go to the bullpen early if the situation dictates it. I was a little surprised at the time, probably was leaning towards... Um, wanting Woody to stay in the, the game. But in April, um, with noticing a dip in velocity, coming into a situation where you're going to face Goldschmidt and Arenado for the third time, uh, I find myself okay with what Craig did. And even though it got a little scary, um, it worked out. But uh, <laughs> just something that uh, created created chatter across uh, Brewers channels uh, early in this one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. 
It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, I'm going to come down on this a little bit differently to you. I'm not crazy about this. Um, this is not the only instance in the game. I not a not a positive or a negative in the moment. I mentioned this in our Brewers channel, in the Discord. Which if you're not in the Discord and you want to talk all things Brewers, go to gspn.info. You can get in there. Um, Craig was really managing this game, like he was managing it a lot, and that can work very well. That can work quite poorly. I think he maybe overmanaged it here. It worked out well. So I'm not going to be critical of it. It's just whether this is a sign of things to come. Um, I would rather see Woody, even with velocity dropping slightly, face those particular guys who were coming up for the Cardinals, as opposed to being like, here you go. The ball is yours, Joel Pamps. Like, I, I think it worked out, but just about, just about. Um, I, I'd have questions about the process, and I wonder, is that something we'll see going forward? I mean, for Woody overall, I think another very, very good outing. He looks great to start the season. So that's fair enough. And pitch count up to 84. Look, I get I get the reasons for going there. Um, I think picking Piamps as the guy that you're going to is an interesting one when you're going away from Woody with velocity dropping. Um, I just wonder, and I guess this will come into maybe when we talk about the next game, some of the things that Craig is doing to start the season. Part of it is, okay, are we in the trial and error phase of the season? Are we playing with things? Are we trying to manage individual players so they get kind of broken into the season quite gently? Or are these signs of things that we're seeing that we're going to be talking about a lot throughout the year? So as much as this was it was the right decision in the end, or I guess it worked out in a positive fashion... I'm not entirely sure about the process of taking Woody out for Yoel Piamps against some real heavy hitters for the Cardinals. And it yeah, the... just worked out. They just got away with it, which is the most important thing. Uh, the Piamps of it all was my only real question mark. Um, the process otherwise, I think, is solid. I mean, Woody's uh, ERA goes up by nearly two full runs uh, for it, through his career the third time through the order and you're facing two MVP candidates. Uh, but boy, did it get scary. <laughs> I mean, uh, the strikeout of Goldschmidt, soft contact Arenado, but uh, the the walks uh, are what I think are, is the thing to watch about Piamps um, uh, for the rest of the season because he falls into a category of uh, three guys with absolutely nasty sliders and if they're, they lose command of it, uh, where do you go from there? So just uh, a roller coaster ride, uh, movie or uh, not movie moment early uh, in the season. I'm th- I'm right back to the theater with you, Adam. Uh, watching movies. Um, the, one, the one thing I'll add to that too, just again, if if I'm looking the positive and give Craig the benefit of the doubt, it's Woody was fantastic against the Cubs in his first start of the season, and then he got dinged by Ian Happ right and this kind of time of the game right at this kind of point in the pitch count and I guess part of it is trying to avoid that now at that point I was surprised that after that homer Craig left him in to get the final out still 
Um, so I don't know, maybe there's just an evolving top process and they're trying to work out with their starters exactly where they're at. I mean, all in all, Woody is making those decisions easier than some of his, uh, some of his peers among the Brewers starting pitchers, but it is interesting just to, to watch how those decisions are evolving and some of the ebb and flow. And it wasn't the last decision of this ilk in this game either. It sure wasn't, Adam. That's what we call in the business a transition. Um, in the bottom of the sixth, the Brewers would get a, another run. Christian Yelich ground out scores Brian Anderson. Uh, Gus Varland would relieve Yoel Piamps. He would record uh, two outs to start the inning, uh, and then a, a walk would see Hobie Milner come on and throw seven pitches to record one out to get out of that inning. Um, in the bottom of the seventh, Willie Adamas would hit his first home run of the season to make it 4 nothing Brewers. Uh, Matt Bush would fire a scoreless inning with a walk, and then Bryce Wilson would close things out uh, with a scoreless inning of his own two strikeouts. That other moment you're referring to is Gus Varland um, getting two outs, uh, walking a batter, and, and then uh, Craig turns to his man that uh, he's going to turn to anytime uh, there's runners on pace because Hobie always seems to find a way to get himself out of jams. That's foreshadowing. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Hobie Milner doing doing what Hobie Milner does, and this bullpen working around some some scary moments uh, to to put up uh, a shutout. Yeah, and you know we'll talk some more about the bullpen in a moment, but we tip our cap to them. They are on one hell of a heater as a group to start this season. That brings us to game two, which was less successful. Jordan Montgomery against Eric Lauer, and. Uh, after some some bad luck and some soft contact in the first inning, uh, Wilson Contreras would single to right to score uh, Dylan Carlson. Uh, it's 2 nothing Cardinals after the first, and this is a game that I, I think from time to time is just going to happen with Eric Lauer when he's struggling with walks and allowing home runs. He's going to have games where um, he's fantastic and gets you through, like, can throw seven innings and allow two runs and just gives you exactly what you want out of a fourth starter every every couple of starts, and then there's going to be days like this. Uh, in the third inning, allows a home run to Nolan Arenado uh, with Paul Goldschmidt on pace to make it 4-0. Uh, Cardinals prospect Jordan Walker then homers to score himself, in, and Tyler O'Neill. it's 6-0 after three. Uh, Lauer goes four innings, uh, seven hits, six earned runs, three walks, four strikeouts, two home runs allowed, as we said. Jordan Walker is going to be a problem. Uh, he's been one of the top prospects in baseball as well. He just hits the baseball so hard. Um, I, be- I believe, Andrew, they said he is 6'7", which, uh, you know, he's a big guy. Is it is it any uh, kind of coincidence that, like, the tall prospects are the ones in the National League Central just really uh, terrorizing me? Is that is that a coincidence <laughs> or is it just... And that the Brewers' uh, best prospects are actually... Shortish in a lot of cases. Yeah, solidarity um, is is what that is. Uh, we'll say O'Neill Cruz off topic, but fractured his ankle on a play at home plate uh, the other day. So you hate hate to see that uh, for a guy we have a lot of respect for. Um, yeah, I think uh, there were also some talks of uh, Lauer's fastball velocity being down a little bit. I think this is, like you said, one of those early season instances of a a starting pitcher feeling out where they are early in the season and B this is just who Lauer is sometimes. And 
that's going to be part of the process is having these games where he isn't keeping the ball over the plate, and when it is over the plate, it's leaving the ballpark. Yeah, and I, I don't think there's any cause for overreaction here. I mean, there's not really cause for overreaction about anything Brewers just yet, um, particularly with that record. But I think this is one of these games against one of those opponents to take what you're saying further. It's like if you're going to be a little bit off and you're going to leave something to hang, yeah, Nolan Arenado is going to punish you or Goldsmith could punish you. Or, as it is now, Jordan Walker could punish you. So you just can't afford these kind of games against the Cardinals. Um, Lauer didn't quite have it. Not a whole lot you can do. And the Brewers were, were probably due one of these games anyway. And the fact that they saved it until after you and I were no longer at the games was appreciated by us. Although my sympathies with, with everyone who was there to witness this, particularly even with a windy other side amidst this strong start, uh, must must be a tough one to. This was the Giannis, um City Connect jersey giveaway day too, I believe. So a lot of people yeah. probably excitedly flocking to Amfam. Giannis jersey coming their way. Brewers rolling off wins, and yeah, Eric Lauer laid an egg. Beyond that, though, the Brewers pitching was very very good. Again, the bullpen locked in and produced a a very very positive outing. So that's good news. Um, but not not a lot you could do. It's gonna be interesting to see, like, what what are Lara's next two to three starts like, and do we get a do we get a couple of really good outings, stabilize, or are we gonna go through a spell early in the year where he doesn't quite have it? That would not be very ideal for the Brewers, particularly with the Ashby news. I think we all feel very good about what Lara gives you over the course of a year, but if he was to start this year in a way that was off um that would be something that could become a concern pretty quickly so we'll see how he picks it up from here but this is something that every four to five starts it feels like Lauer is good for anyway we know about his home run problems he's generally very very good outside of the fact that he's good for one to two home runs just all the better when they're single shots and in this case there was a little bit more damage done than that uh, and to his credit, uh, on on the mound and in the other dugout, Jordan Montgomery was fantastic. Seven innings pitch, three hits, two walks, nine strikeouts, no runs allowed. I mean, a guy they acquired uh, from the Yankees in the Harrison Bader trade at the deadline last year was very good in the second half. Him and Jose Quintana really stabilized their rotation in the second half last year, and he looked great against the Brewers. Um, uh, nobody with multiple hits in this game for the Brewers. The only extra base hit was a double by Joey Weimer. So just not their night and something that, like you said, they were due for this. This is baseball. Uh, you play 162 games. You're not going to go 161 and one, which was, you know, that was that was the pace they were on. Um, but like you said, the rest of the bullpen comes in and does great work. Gus Farland, two innings, scoreless. Uh, Javi Guerra, two innings, scoreless. And then UL Piamps um, a night after coming in um, and working himself in and out of a jam uh, goes in the inning scoreless with two hits allowed and two strikeouts. So. Uh, not the Brewers night on Saturday. And like you said, we did have a dear, dear friend in attendance who we got to, to meet in person for the first time during our trip. And we hated that he had to be there, um, for, uh, for that, uh, that game. But you know what, that, that's sports, Adam, the pain is what makes 
uh, the joy so meaningful eventually when we're all celebrating on the Milwaukee Brewers World Series uh, parade float. Which is also very easy for us to say that sports um, when we saw five Milwaukee sports wins uh, in succession. I didn't see any defeats across the, the course of my whole trip, but sure. Well, that's I had sports. My- I had my that sports moment to start the trip. So it, it's, you know, I'm speaking from experience. Uh, to finish out the series, uh, Freddie Peralta takes the mound in his second start of the season against Jake Woodford. And Adam, did Freddie Peralta have it or did Freddie Peralta have it? We've been talking a lot about um, fastball velocity and it being down on this podcast for certain guys. And Freddie Peralta's fastball velocity was not down. According to Adam McCalvey, the best fastball velocity of any of his 69 career starts. Uh, his 95.4 mile per hour, mile per hour average forcing fastball and a 97.8 mile per hour max fastball velocity uh, were both career highs for Peralta. And, you know, velocity doesn't always <laughs> translate to good results. But for Peralta, it did. Six innings pitched, four hits, just one run allowed, three walks, seven strikeouts. He looks healthy. That's the most important thing after spending last season uh, injured. Freddie Peralta looks healthy and uh, and is locked in to start the year. And that's great to see because you talk about elsewhere in the rotation. Is Lauer going to continue to struggle? Is Burns going to continue to struggle? Right now, Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta are setting the standard at the top of the rotation. And that's been great to see. Brewers get the scoring started in the third. A Willie Adamas double scores Joey Weimer and Christian Yelich. Uh, the one run that the Cardinals would get in this game um, would be a single from Jordan Walker, the aforementioned Jordan Walker, who, again, just looks like he's going to be a great player in, in Major League Baseball. In the fifth inning, uh, with the score 2-1, uh, Willie Adamas homers to make it 3-1 Brewers. In the seventh, Christian Yelich hits his first home run of the season to left center field to make it 4-1 Brewers. Uh, in the seventh, Rowdy Telez doubles the center to score Willie Thomas and Jesse Winker to make it six to one Brewers. Nice to see uh, Rowdy get get onto the extra base uh, score sheet again uh, after some struggles early in the year. Uh, Peter Strzelecki came on in relief of Freddie Peralta in the seventh and gets out of the inning with a strikeout of Nolan Arenado. Goes one inning, one hit, one walk, one strikeout. Matt Bush gets himself into some trouble in the Eighth inning, uh, he would go two-thirds of an inning, allow a hit, and two walks to load the bases, one strikeout for him. Hobie Milner comes in uh, in relief of Matt Bush with that bases loaded jam and records a strikeout to get out of the inning. Devin Williams closes things down with a scoreless ninth inning of his own. Brewers win 6-1, to one, take two out of three from the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, end the first three series of the season with series wins in each series, a sweep in the Mets. Two out of three against the Cubs, two out of three against the Cardinals, a seven and two record. And they're sitting atop the standings. Standings watch will not start until like August. But uh, no, we no, do no. Love... no, it's, it starts with we... the Brewers top of the National League. That's what it starts. <laughs> uh, we do. We do love to see it. We love our Brewers, don't we, Adam? We sure do. Um, this one was nice, as you mentioned, to see one. Yelly really come to life and have a big game, not just with the home run, but beyond that, a tree hit game, particularly off the back of what was a real stinker. And we probably glossed over that somewhat in game two. People were already getting antsy about Yelich and understandably because he looked completely lost in the second game of the series. 
And he was someone that when the Brewers had opportunities to get themselves back in that game, um, clutch hits were very much not there for Christian Yelich. Clutch hits overall this season still haven't been his specialty, but just to see him start to make contact, make good contact, and a, yeah, flash some power for that home run was exciting. I will also say I'm a little concerned about my guy, Rowdy Tellez, start the season, but this series was better. Um, we didn't see Rowdy in game two for reasons that we should probably talk a little bit more about there as well. Um, but runs batted in in both of his outings. Um, I believe walks drawn in both of his outings. No, game one, he drew a walk. There's a little bit of signs of life, but let's let's get that back going, Rowdy. Let's get Rowdy a game like Yelly's had lately, like Willie's had lately. And then the Brewers are a little bit closer to firing on all cylinders. Um, but definite improvement um after a slow start to the season for the big guy. Yeah, um this is a series where the rookies were were good, but not dominant like they'd been in other series and Willie Adamas and Christian Yelich stepped up and Rowdy did step up in, in those brief moments so we're seeing the rest of the roster kind of start to play their way into into form this season a, a four hit series with two walks for William Contreras as well uh yeah the the Rowdy struggles will be will be something to watch I mean like you said it's becoming clear that against left-handed pitchers one of him or winker are going to sit uh at least that's been the trend uh and we going, did mention going that. deeper than that though at the moment going deeper than well, that because it's extending to mitchell and bryce too which is yeah and one of the things that we talked about uh in the offseason was that some of the right-handed platoon options that they have in these spots have reverse splits. Uh, Luke Voigt hits righties better than he hits lefties. He hits lefties fine for his career, but he comes in and is over four with three strikeouts against the left-hander Montgomery. Um, Ryan Anderson over four with two strikeouts. He hits righties better than he hits lefties for his career as well. Um, Brasso off to a slow start this season uh, with his limited time uh, playing after a hot spring. So yeah, it's, something that uh the team wants to be able to do they want to be able to figure out uh a way to fix their problems against left-handed starting pitching but i don't know if the complement of options they have are worth taking away at bats from mitchell and terang i kind of want to get to a point by the middle of the season like you said uh he Craig to an extent is also just trying to make sure guys are getting reps under their belts early in the season. So uh, we don't get to May and June and Luke Voigt and Mike Brasso haven't gotten at bats. I just uh, love to see Mitchell and Terang get a chance to prove that they can't hit left-handed pitching before that becomes like the mainstay option. Uh, I understand this is, <laughs> this is not a, this is not an uncommon baseball trope right left right left uh and it's not it's not like it was when they were trying to force Kesson Fura to be a lefty no. masher so it's it's not that bad but just something to watch going forward and um I think we might get to a point where it's like all right 
let's let's see what the rookie left-handed batters have against a George Montgomery or uh, a Jose Quintana. Although I think he's a Met now and is injured, but still. Well, it's it's also the last year when we got annoyed about this is about Rowdy. And this year it could be about Rowdy and Winker and Mitchell and Tarang. And that was the thing about that game two lineup in this series against the Cardinals. Like, I'll run through it. You got Brasso, Damas, Yelich, Contreras, Voigt, Anderson, Miller, Weimer, Caratini. That is just a considerably weaker lineup than what the Brewers have been putting out when they've been rolling off wins, racking up runs for fun lately. I think there's a point there where if you're going that extreme with it, like, you're setting yourself up for problems that in trying to counter one problem that's kind of confronting you straight in the face. You're taking away the real threat with some of your better hitters, and as you said, it's not necessarily because the splits are always just kind of in the favor of making the changes. It is something that is more kind of deeply ingrained as this is what we should do in this scenario. I'd like to just see the longer leash. And I mean, Craig got there with Rowdy last year. It's not like Rowdy had great success with that, but it got to the point where it's like, I might as well play him because he still is going to give me a better chance than Keston in that case. I think this season could end up there with multiple guys. I just would rather find out first rather than spend months of kind of trying to get in front of a problem and then being like, you know what, it's better to just kind of see what we can get out of our better hitters anyway. I think that's something with the rookies. Maybe with Tarang, it's forgivable because you're just looking for spots where you can give him a day off. It's probably quite a lot for him right now. He's playing a lot. He's making a big impact. Um, But Mitchell, Mitchell's now had a taste for this for a while. Has started the season really fantastically. And you've got veterans like Rowdy and Winker. I, I think some balance to this, it can't be a full clean out. I think... Craig's got to feel okay with having one or two guys that, yeah, this is not ideal for lefty-righty purposes, but I'm just going to trust in how they've been playing or what they can offer me as hitters. Yeah, I was uh, I was seeing if the facts align with our feelings, Adam, just, uh, just because, and they do. Um, 17th in baseball so far against left-handed uh, pitching in terms of WRC plus 95, so five points below league average so yeah it's it's uh something to to watch as the season goes on uh some other kind of notable stats early in the season uh the brewers lead baseball and defensive run save we talked a lot about how bryce harang making the opening day roster was assigned towards craig wanting very good defense up the middle so him uh garrett mitchell willie Thomas. um and Joey Weimer have added some some uh, defensive, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, safe pairs of hands at various positions and athleticism and guys that can just go out there and make plays on defense that win, win you games. Uh, all the small sample size caveats apply, but Willie Adamas leading baseball in outs above average. Um, and the pitching staff, as we have mentioned, looks great to start the season. Uh, the Brewers have a 2.79 ERA, which is third best in baseball, behind the Rays and the Twins. Um, so things are are trending well in various directions. Um, do you have anything else to add before we get to the Master Brewer leaderboard, Adam? 
no, I think that's that's pretty much it. All right. Uh, to the beers. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, five and a third innings pitch, two walks, four hits, no runs, four strikeouts. Freddie Peralta, six innings pitch, three walks, four hits, one run, seven strikeouts. Uh, Gus Farland, two and two thirds innings pitched, a walk, two hits, no runs, uh, and two strikeouts. Javi Guerra, two innings pitched, a walk, one hit, no runs, two strikeouts. Yoel Piams, one and two thirds innings pitched, one walk, three hits, no runs, three strikeouts. Hobie Miller, only two thirds innings pitched, no runs and a strikeout. But one of those situations was his him coming in after Matt Bush had created a bases loaded situation, and Hobie just comes through. Peter Strzelecki facing the the heart of the Cardinals order in the seventh inning after Freddie Peralta's start. One inning pitch, one hit, one walk, one strikeout. Bryce Wilson uh, closed out game. One of the series, one inning pitch, no hits, two strikeouts. Devin Williams uh, closed out the last game of the series. One inning pitch, no hits, one strikeout. And then Willie Adamas, 6 for 11, a walk, a double, two homers, four runs, four RBI, playing rock-solid defense at shortstop, gets two beers for his efforts. William Contreras, 4 for 10, two walks, a double, threw out a runner trying to steal from his knees. And then Christian Yelich, 4 for 12, two walks, one home run, three runs, two RBI. Uh, the leaderboard through nine games, uh, Garrett Mitchell and Brian Anderson still lead the way with four beers. Bryce Strang, Willie Adamas, and Peter Strzelecki have three beers. Joey Weimer, Jesse Winker. Freddie Peralta, Hobie Milner, William Contreras, Christian Yelich, Brandon Woodruff, Gus Farland, Bryce Wilson, Devin Williams have two beers each. Javi Guerra and Wade Miley each have a single beer. And that brings us to an unfortunate point in the schedule for you, Adam, because the Brewers are headed west and uh, makes for a lot of late nights for me and a lot of condensed games for you. They will begin a series against the Arizona uh, Diamondbacks. Uh, on tonight, Monday, April 10th, 8.40 Central start, Wade Miley against Zach Gallen. Uh, Tuesday, April 11th, 8.40 Central start, Corbin Burns versus Merrill Kelly. And then to wrap up the series, actually, you know, maybe a beneficial start time for you, Adam. 2.40 Central start, Brandon Woodruff versus Madison Bumgarner. Uh, the Brewers will then head to San Diego for four, Seattle for three before returning home on April 21st against the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, grueling stretch of schedule coming up. The Brewers can come out a trip, 500 or better. It's been a hell of a start to the season. Hell of a start to the season. Um, add that to your 7-2, and two, and I think we'll be feeling very, very good. What do we say? We've got 10 games. Yeah, so I think if if they're 12-7 and seven or better, I think we'd be feeling really good about where the team is at. Um, worth noting, an article just dropped while we were recording there that I was reading just in case there were any tidbits in there that we needed to get out rather than miss once again um craig council will tie the franchise record for most games managed on monday against the diamondbacks and then move to outright first place on tuesday um new york times profile of of craig is kind of centered around that titled the man who keeps baseball relevant in milwaukee so I was just doing some reading in case Craig kind of hinted at anything about his future. But no, no, no such kind of comments in there. But an interesting read all the same. Um, Probably well-trod territory for most Brewers fans, kind of getting the sense of Craig's entire journey with the Brewers from his his role within the organization as a child, 
I mean, everyone knows this. This is like, it's is you know, take a drink territory. This is like when Andrew brings up Key Law. Uh, exactly. Uh, I thought you were going to, it was going to be an article about like Ken Rosenthal trying to trade various brewers. Uh, no, in no April. that's, that's but... not even worth mentioning at this point. That's just a given. I'm sure one of those has dropped all the recording too. Yeah. Why don't we just have every small market team go ahead and trade all their players to the Yankees and the Dodgers get out of the way. So Ken Rosenthal can take a vacation. Um, I think that does it for us. Uh, we're back in the saddle, uh, and now the baseball games are just coming fast and furious. And at the very least, we don't have to record passing a mic back and forth across the table at the lovely Fairfield Inn and Suites, uh, just down the road from American Family Field. Yeah, I will say I missed um I missed the view of Ampham that I had from my vantage point recording where I was looking at the stadium while talking about the Brewers. That was a different experience for the past couple of episodes. But it's also good to get back to back to normal. This will be an easier edit than our last few podcasts. Um, a lot of people checked out the last couple of episodes, so thank you for that. I hope Brewers excitement that is here to start season with the new rookies carries on and you stick with us for the journey. We know it's a long, arduous season. We know that not everyone is going to watch 162 games. And that is part of why our podcast is the way it is. We'll take you through series by series, what you need to know, who the key performers were, how the games played out, and give you a sense of where the team is at, both collectively and individually over the course of the year. So whether you are really going to be locked in on every inning throughout the year, or you just want to more actively engage with this Brewers team, this exciting young Milwaukee team, with the prospects already making their mark, Cruising for a Bruising is the place for you. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. As I mentioned earlier, you can go to gspn.info. You can get in our Discord. The Discord is the home for all things GSPN. If you want to talk books, Packers, Brewers, movies, a whole bunch of other stuff. Um... But our Brewers channel there is particularly active in the round games and really beyond that. So if you're looking for a place where you could talk Brewers with our fans, the Discord is a good spot for that. Of course, if you've got thoughts on anything that comes up in any given episode, another place you can go and chat with us and chat with other listeners about it is Repod. If you go to joinrepod.com forward slash cruising for bruising, you'll land on our page on Repod. It's a hub where, if you want, that can be your podcast player of choice. You can listen to all your episodes in there. You can follow all your favorite podcasts. But even in our room, you can also comment on any given episode and the conversation will go back and forth. Andrew and I check in regularly. So if you want to, you know, pick apart any arguments we were making, which is, I mean, generally, Andrew, that's the kind of feedback we get, right? Um, that's the place you can go to do that. So yeah, make sure you check that out. And we're on Twitter at Brewers GSPN. If you stay across all those places, you'll never miss anything to do with Cruising for Bruising. We'll have um, watch-alongs starting up soon via playback, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>